Welcome to the Pet Life Podcast. As always, I'm Patrick. Today, we got a lot of information in a short bit of time, but it's going to be a good one. I can promise you that. Now, before we introduce our lady here, one of the things that all of us has to deal with every single day is what? Water. It's around us everywhere. It's in our bodies. It's always, we need it. Life is is determined whether or not we have water. Now, here's the thing. We're told, oh, it's just around us. It is what it is. You need water. And that's kind of the extent of it. Not the case. Veda is going to dive in deep because this is what she does. And this is what she does incredibly. If you haven't followed her, we're going to talk about all that. But Veda goes into the depths of everything that is water and not just what is water, but the intelligence of water. And I'll let her take it. But for now, welcome to the show, Veda Austin. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, I'm always happy to talk about water because when we're talking about water, we're really talking about life. And as you were saying, there really is no life without water. But really, the question for me has always come up as what is water? Not just on a kind of hydrogen, oxygen level, but really what is it and what is it to us? Obviously, we need it to hydrate ourselves and various things like that. But the work that I have literally dived into has shown me that there is so much more to water than we have ever imagined. And my work, along with several other people's work in this field, is starting to prove that there is this incredible um, connection between consciousness and water. And if you consider that not by volume, but by molecular count, we're 99% water, and that there are more water molecules in our bodies than stars in the Milky Way, and that we're only a cut away from leaking, an emotion away from leaking, a toilet break away from leaking, and various other things away from leaking, and yet we see ourselves as so solid through these fourth phase water eyes, because there's a liquid solid gas and then a type of gel or plasma, and your eye lens is 99% water, meaning that we see everything through the lens of water. And yet when we are taught about what it is to be a human being or a living being, we often overlook the fact that we are far more water bodies than we are anything else. So what do we really know about water? And what has it got to do with consciousness? And that's the area that I've spent the last nine years really exploring. And so what I have discovered, and I guess going back into where it sort of began, was I had a, a healing experience um, with a special type of spring water in New Zealand. And it was quite dramatic. Um, anyone that wants to know more about that can go and watch some of my other podcasts because it can go on for a little longer and I know we don't have a lot of time and there's a lot to cover. But from that um, experience, it made me very curious. Firstly, how could water possibly do the things it had done to my body and other people's bodies so far as quite um, incredible healing goes? What made it different? And um, at that time, Masaru Moto's work was coming out. Uh, and there was this idea that water could be able to store information and have quote-unquote memory. At the same time as Amodo's work, another man, um, his work came out by the name of Laurent Costa. And he is a French microscopic photographer of water. 
and different to a motos work. Assuming that people know a moto, many people in the conscious community do, uh, but in a nutshell, what he and his team did was take, um, for example, two glasses of water, one with the word love and one with the word hate on it. He'd take a tiny little drop of that water, flash freeze it and microscopically photograph it to see what would um, the structures look like. So the most, one of the most famous contrasting photos that he showed was that love formed beautiful geometry and hate failed to form structure, which really opened the doorway for people to start considering themselves to be bodies of water sensitive to thought and words and environment. But Laurent Costa's work, rather than wanting to take the approach of experimentation, he considered water to be like a spiritual teacher. And I have to say that that's very much more my approach. Um, he didn't want to experiment on the water because like I've often said, um, we're bodies of water and I know for myself, I don't want to be experimented on. And he considered water to be living as many indigenous cultures do. So what he would do was simply invite water to share whatever it wanted. He was just wanting to learn and see what patterns might emerge. So sometimes he would smile at the water before he microscopically took photographs and he would get happy faces. He would get perfect hearts. He got fish and things that were actually relative to him in his life at that time. And when I saw his work, because it was imagery, it really struck me because I see the world from a very artistic perspective. I'm always seeing faces and things and things like this. And the last person that really inspired me to, to try this for myself, to see if water stored information, uh, was a man by the name of Thomas Hieronymus. And Thomas made, he was a radionic engineer and he made an observation that when he went into a Parisian meat market, he observed that the freshly placed organs of an animal appeared to be affecting the way the frost froze on the glass behind where they were placed. For example, the liver organ um, appeared to be creating this shape of a liver organ in the frost. And his hypothesis was that there seemed to be some kind of life force energy still emanating out of these organs based on the fact that there was water in the blood and that the water in the blood was communicating from a liquid through into the, um, into the air and crystallizing in its blueprint form on the glass as ice, or kind of an icy, icy frost. And so when you put all of that together, you see that the secret appears to be in the freezing. And so what was encouraging was that his work was macroscopic. He was seeing this with his naked eye, so I thought, well, I really want to see for myself. It's one thing reading about stuff, but, you know, when you see it for yourself, it's another thing. So I was doing some other work at the time, and uh, I had a Petri dish. So my idea was that I would simply get my Petri dish, put a little bit of water in it, consciously express a thought or something like that, and then stick it in my freezer. And so it was a very rudimentary kind of beginning, but that was my idea. So I held my Petri dish out 
And um, as I was thinking about what to think, there was a little bit of fluff floating around in the Petri dish. So I put my hand in to take the fluff out and I consciously thought, I wonder if my hand will have any impact on the water's quote unquote memory. And so I, I put it in the freezer with the peas and the broccoli and everything. It was just my regular household freezer. And I left it there for a few hours. And then I came back, I pulled it out, held it up to the light, and I took a photo on my iPhone that launched somewhere in the region of 36,000 photos of water, proving that it can respond in an intelligent, artistic manner relative to its last influence. What was in that Petri dish took up half the size of it, which is macroscopically huge. It was a picture of my hand. Now, uh, I know that picture speaks a thousand words, so I've given you a little bit of a rundown, um, but I'm going to show you these images so you can really get a grasp for what I'm talking about. Um, and then we can kind of talk about my progression through the pictures. So let's do um, it. Okay. Let's dive let's right in. Dive so, right in. So for those who are just listening, I highly recommend real quick uh, going to uh, thepetlife.org and or uh, other platforms to see not only the full episode, but to see exactly what it is that Veda is going to be showing us. Um, because I don't want to, I'll let her speak, but I just want you all to see exactly what it is that she's put so much time and energy into um, in order to help us connect with our bodies and nature a little bit more each day. So anyway, on that, Veda, I will let you take it. Sure. I'm hoping that scale document up. Anyway. Um, okay. So I'd, I don't know what to do. Anyway, hopefully you can see this fine. Yep. Um, so this is just a wonderful example of what Emoto was showing, where he wrote the words, you fool and thank you. Um, it's just to recap, many people have not heard of, of um, Laurent Costa. That's my friend. He also wrote a book called Journey into the Heart of Water, and this beautiful heart is on the cover. It just gives you a bit of an idea of these happy faces that he's seeing in ice and this lovely heart. And when you see this, remembering it's microscopic, you know, it's it's makes you smile. So as we go on, sorry, we're going to say something. Uh, so I'm saying those pictures were just pictures, like because yeah. nowadays every and, and I just want to clarify for those because people see stuff right, and now with our day and age of deception, people are like, oh, it's it's CGI. So these are his pictures. This isn't a artist rendering. I just want to make that very clear for those listening. Absolutely. And I know him personally, and I know how passionate he is. And he's taken oh. photos actually for me of water I've sent to him. So, um, yeah, they're really real. <laughs> no, no, I, I believe it. I just want to <laughs> clarify for audiences because, you know, you get anyone could be skeptic and that's a good thing. But it's, we want to clarify in knowing that people could do this themselves. So. Absol absolutely. Um, and I actually, with the, my work, I teach people how to do this. So this was me just thinking about something. And this was the hand I photographed in the ice. And as you can see, it looks kind of like an x-ray. And when I first saw it, I was pretty freaked out because I wasn't expecting to see a hand in the ice at all. I wasn't really expecting anything. And I think that that's actually a very good thing. When working in the field of water, um, especially in the work that I'm doing, that expectation 
can be counterproductive. This is all about getting out of expectation and staying in curiosity. So what I did next was go down to the beach because I thought if any water is going to be informed, it would be seawater. And so I froze a little bit of seawater and I was quite nervous about what I would see when I pulled it out of the freezer because I thought if I see something relative to the ocean, this means this is a big deal. This isn't just random or coincidental. Um, so this was the photo that I took and it's a different texture because it's seawater and it freezes differently than fresh water. But as you can see, there is um, this outline of a fish here with its tail and a perfectly round eye where the bubble must have popped. And you can see the fins and the gill. And this really was quite remarkable to me because that then led on to be getting really um, excited about trying all different kinds of things and influences prior to freezing. I would use thoughts, I would use words, I would use media, I used photos of people to see if there could be any kind of image recognition, um, music, all manner of different things. But my technique also changed quite dramatically over the first couple of years as I began to understand more about the space of creation, which is the space between molecular chaos and molecular order, where water is just is liquid water. It's, water is never just water, where it's liquid water, um, and this and before it completely turns to ice and becomes a solid, it becomes this plasma or gel. Mm -hmm. So. Um, my technique, uh, this is the difference. So it's quite helpful to see. Uh, when it's this, I look back at my work now and I look at the work where I would completely freeze water and I'm amazed that I got the kind of imagery that I did because the new technique, which only takes approximately five minutes, it varies with people's freezers, it varies with different types of water. There's, there are variants, which is why I help uh, teach people how to do it uh, based on their freezer setting, but you get a much, much clearer, more three-dimensional um, kind of light clarity coming through. And I wanted to capture the first freeze. So as water freezes, it freezes in layers. And it's interesting because I didn't know that until I started opening the freezer earlier and earlier and earlier wondering what was actually happening in my freezer to create this kind of imagery. And after doing that, God, hundreds of times probably, I observed that there was a stage when there were, literally water was in two stages. There was some liquid crystal or a type of ice um, on the bottom of the Petri dish and then there was liquid on top of it. And so out of curiosity, I took it out of the freezer and held it up to the light and the liquid fell away. And I photographed the first freeze that before it started, the rest of the layers had formed. Mm -hmm. And that's what you see in this one over here that my son actually took. Um, he projected the thought of an arrow into the water. His name is Rama. And in um, the Hindu um, uh, stories. They talk about Lord Rama and Lord Rama always has a bow and arrow. We were talking about bows and arrows and he projected literally a thought 
of an arrow into the water and you can see how metallic the head is. You can see how incredible this is. And he photographed it. He did everything himself, used my technique. So it's, it's actually very simple to do once you know exactly what you're looking for in that stage. So Absolutely. here's a, a little bit of an example, the stage. So it's got uh, ice in there, but you can see there's still a liquid that gets tipped away. Yeah. Um, I just want to make one comment real quick, and I just talking. You keep talking about this this sense of curiosity and wonder and creativity, and your first images being so uh, profound and showing you so much. And I'm not saying by any means that you ha don't have that same wonder and curiosity, but could it be that that first time was so invigorating that you're like wait what like this is a thing and that curiosity <laughs> was that powerful that mm -hmm. it shined through and it made itself so clear to you because I just real quick you know in my field and what I do with personal training and a lot of people I talk to one of the big things being that I have a creative background a lot of people have said and will say is going I wish I was able to create and do the things that like I enjoy the things that make me curious the way you do because I have a background in entertainment and film and things like that so the point for me has always been in realizing is how many people have lost that curiosity, that wonder that they've had in our society is taken that away by like, Oh, here's the answer. Here's all the answers. And just that, that creative aspect of self that makes us who we are. Um, so anyway, I just thought that was really, really interesting that you brought that up. Yeah. And, and just to kind of um, springboard from that, one of the things that I would say that I find daily is amazement because what I've learned for all these years of studying water is that I don't hardly know anything. I get yeah. shocked every single day by what I see. And people think, oh, surely you're used to seeing these amazing things by now. I'm like, I don't think I'll ever get used to it. What I think is that it just deepens my relationship with the wonderment of what it is um, to that we are living bodies of water and that there is information and things to share and communication happening with the water outside of our body. So it makes me wonder, what are we really dealing with? And when you start getting into that and you start seeing that there is communication, not just a reaction to with water, water's not just reacting, it's responding, then um, that level of curiosity, it just doesn't go away. And, and it's um, sometimes I, I just feel utterly um, flawed and and so I think that as soon as I I, I start getting um, a kind of if I get just arrogant enough to think I know what water's going to do it just will show me that it, it, it will show me that oh you need to lose that ego and mm -hmm. I think once you start losing that ego thinking you know what and, and that's also losing control it's it's a part of actually that's why water's become my spiritual teacher and that I actually have to let go of this idea of control and allow and just simply allow be to be whatever is going to be. Because if I think I know what water's gonna do, either it won't work or mm -hmm. won't do it or will do something completely different. Hundred percent. It's um, just being an observer. Yeah. And I think that's the energy of water actually is the observer it's never in judgment there are certain pictures that have come out um with Masaru Omoto's work which was um with music where for example it was very contrasting it was heavy metal versus classical music 
and uh, it suggested that water didn't like heavy metal. Whereas I've never known water to actually be in judgment. I would say the person doing the test didn't like heavy metal. Whereas I've, I've done all genres of music and what I keep seeing over and over is that water is moving and um, to certain frequencies, but it's also picking up on certain words. Water doesn't read words, it reads the energy of words. And so what I'll often see is an image relative to a word in a song. Uh, but not a judgment, which is why I love working with water as, a, as my own spiritual teacher, much like um, Laurent Costa. Now, this might look like, not look like very much, this photo, but actually it's saying a lot. Uh, this photo is when I captured water as it's just beginning to freeze. It's got these little kind of shoots, as you see. But what you might notice is there is a light around these shoots. And I think that water and light play together um, in a way in which light and water um, are the way in which it has a lot to do with creation. So what you're seeing is that there is a light um, around the ice. So it's like water shoots light out um, before it starts to uh, form. So it's kind of like light helps to create the form. And it uh, is very reminiscent of some uh, an indigenous woman who said she could speak to bees. And she said she'd watch the hive for long periods of time. And she said that a bee came out and somehow communicated with her. And since I'm communicating with water, I never think that it's strange anymore that people can, can connect and communicate with other beings and life forms. Um, so she said that the bee told her, please don't look at our hive for too long because your conscious expression is putting too much light in our hive and we like it to be darker. So if you consider then what you're putting your light into is giving it energy or giving it light, it's always interesting to be mindful of where we're putting that light, that conscious expression. But in this particular situation, I think that our conscious expression is also part of the way in which um, we add light to the water and that fourth phase of water, one, it's kind of its many characteristics that make it different than regular H2O, is that um, it absorbs more light, it has a negative charge, it's got a slightly higher pH, uh, and it's, it, it's uh, got a more ordered molecular structure. Um, so when we're looking at this, we're actually seeing something quite unique. Um, in, in this kind of almost like a halo around the ice. So as mm -hmm. we move on, um, this has become quite a well-known picture now. Uh, my friend Wendy, I placed my Petri dish of water on top of her photo for 30 seconds. There isn't actually a reason I use 30 seconds. I just like it. It doesn't have to be anywhere near as long as 30 seconds. I've just done things for one or two seconds before and it still creates imagery but people like a process especially in the early stages so um, that's how I started out uh, and you can see it's designed her profile um, this one was using Sadhguru somebody asked me to use Sadhguru's face so I did and you can see that it's appeared um, I 
like Roman, ancient Roman, Greek and Egyptian history. Um, so I, I used this Roman coin and you can see that the image has appeared there. Um, this is a, a slightly too frozen um, sample, but you can, you can still see. Bit, please. There you go. Perfect. Okay. Yep. You can still see that it's um, got all of the uh, characteristics of the actual statue with the beard and the hair and the eyes. Mm -hmm. um, so just to give a little bit of an example of some of my work, and there's a few of these. Um, the uh, ice imagery is on the left and the influence is on the right. So, for example, this is an interesting one with the thumb. You can see I put my wow. thumb in the water. But what you might notice is that at the end of the ice nail, there's a little dent, like a little, it's like it's kind of indented there. Um, an hour or so after I did this test, I actually broke my nail in exactly the same place. It was almost as if water knew that was going to happen, which is extremely Whoa. interesting. Um, and wait, hold on. Sorry, I got to stop you there because that mm -hmm. was some gravy. So you, like unbeknownst to you, like you didn't break it before. You broke it off after the fact. Yeah. Not a, like total accident, like just doing something. Like you weren't yeah, like eating your nail or something. <laughs> no, I, no, I don't do that. Um, <laughs> no, no, I just actually just just broke it. And it, it snapped in, in the same place. And it's not the first time I've seen water show me things that are about to happen, but it's also mm -hmm. shown me things from 100 years ago where I've taken water from an, an, um, an old area of Maori settlement and it showed me a building structure called a pātaka, which is a Maori food storage hut which were built on stilts so that uh, the animals Whoa. wouldn't go up there. And I saw that in the ice. It's an incredibly Whoa. amazing picture. Um, the iris yes. here, I, um, I was cutting onions and some uh, uh, tears were forming. And so I, I, I pretty much nearly always have a, a Petri dish of water on my um, tabletop somewhere. And so um, in this particular situation, I had one handy. So I scooped some of those tears up and they went in with the water. And when I froze it, uh, it formed my iris. Um, wow. So here we have uh, a lot of other interesting ones. Now, what's interesting about the middle picture, I'll explain that is that uh, my daughter had this incredible book about birds. And um, what I did was I got a piece of cardboard and the whole, the whole page was of a big owl, an owl's face. And so I put half of the, I, I covered half of the owl's face with a piece of cardboard and I put my Petri dish of water on top of the cardboard so it didn't quote unquote see the image. And then I froze it and it actually created the other eye, which was really, really wow. interesting. And one of my next endeavors is going to be putting Petri dishes of water on top of books to see what it shows me. And while I remember, because there's a lot to cover, um, my, my, my uh, partner actually put um, the Petri dish of water on top of his, um, his dad had given him a, a Bible. And the imagery that came back was what we call hydroglyphs. Now I'm going to hopefully have time. I think I've got time to yeah. cover those, which we'll get into at yeah. the very end of this presentation. But a hydroglyph essentially 
is the last four years of my work, which are ice symbols that actually represent um, meaning, that have meaning. And I'll explain how I've discovered them, how they take, to say I have one hydroglyph means I have to have used, basically written a word, put my petri dish of water on top of it, frozen it, then seen an, an, an image that has repeated at least 50 times using the same word. So I can say I have one hydroglyph. They have layers of meaning. And what he saw were two hydroglyphs. Um, one was the hydroglyph for message, and one was the hydroglyph, um, I think it was for um, uh, pure uh, enlightenment, so enlightened message. And so it was really interesting, um, you know, as, as we kind of go through this, what we see. We either see imagery or we actually see a kind of um, symbolic um, conceptual language, which is next level amazing. So um, yeah. these, these two here are really interesting. I, um, there was a, a, a pregnant woman, um, the, oh, yeah. the one with the embryo. There's a pregnant lady, and I said to her, could you please, um, she's a friend of mine, could you please drink some of the water, think about your baby, and leave me some of that water to freeze. So when you drink water, you're imprinting your information into it. Um, and so when I froze it, you can see I've outlined the embryo, which was at the same stage of pregnancy that she was at, which was really interesting. Now, the one wow. below that you can see looks almost like a, an artistic etching. And it looks so similar to that schnauzer dog. And the way that um, that whole kind of thing unfolded was really kind of very organic. All my stuff is so organic and it's always got a story to it. But um, I was at a cafe and I noticed they'd left this bowl out for thirsty dogs and this really cute schnauzer dog was drinking from it. And then off it went and I was like, there was water left. And I, I was thinking, how am I going to ask the cafe lady about this? So I just, I just went to her, I said, look, this is going to be the weirdest thing I ever ask you, but um, could I please have a takeaway cup to take some of that dog bowl water away? And anyway, she was a good sport and she let me take some. And I just basically went home and put it into my Petri dish and froze it straight away. And I got this incredible image. Um, that is incredible. I just, sorry, real quick, just, I just imagine like your family at this point, you come rushing in the door, you're like, you're like, it was a dog bowl. I got it from a dog bowl. They're like, what is she doing? What is she doing? No, but it's, it, but, the, but to, I mean, just by looking at these pictures, what you've already explained, I'd be in the same boat and I'm already thinking about that just because it reveals so much. And that's, and that's wild that after that dog drank from it, that's what you got. Thanks for checking out our free preview of the podcast. If you want to listen to the rest of this episode and many others like it, become a member at thepatlife.org.